Hey everyone, welcome to our Strong Mind, Strong Body podcast. I'm your host, Angie Miller, and today I have a great guest. His name is Dr. Brian Price. He's been on with me before, and I had Brian come on because I want to talk about something that I've been thinking about for a long time, and it's those pivotal moments, those life-defining moments. You know, I feel like we all have those. So come on in, Brian. Hi, Angie. How you doing? Great to be back. I'm doing well. Thank you. So first of all, Brian, you know, I know that you are a professor at Seton Hall. Give us a little, give us a little soundbite of who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I grew up down the Jersey Shore in New Jersey, uh, and then I went to the U.S. Military Academy uh, at West Point. And if you're familiar with the academies, you know, you have to go serve in the Army uh, after you graduate. So I spent 20 years as an Army officer. Uh, the first half, I flew the Army's premier attack helicopter, the Apache Longbow. And then the Army sent me to Stanford University to get a PhD. And I came back and spent the second half of my military career teaching at West Point and running a place called the Combating Terrorism Center. Got out in 2018, uh, initially started working at Seton Hall, where I run a four-year leadership institute called the Vecino Leadership Institute at Seton Hall University. And then on the side, I started my own company called Top Metal Game, where I work with athletes and business leaders on mindset and mental performance so that they can perform at their best when it matters the most. All right. Well, you know what? I feel like you are a perfect person to talk about those defining moments and to really decide are those defining moments holding us back? Because they do. I look at defining moments like that crossroad. You come up to a crosswalk, you can either go left or right. How many movies have been made about those defining moments? I'm sure we could go on and on. But with all the stuff that you've done throughout your life, I imagine being at the top of your mental game is most important. So that's why I love that you're going to talk about this with us because you and I have been on a week talked about imposter syndrome. And I know that from what I heard from those who listen, that was a really powerful topic for a lot of people. So I have a question from your perspective. Um, because when I thought about doing this, I'm not going to lie, I, I had a few tears and then some, because I started thinking about my life defining moments. And, and it, it, it is kind of a, an emotional connection to what has happened to you throughout your life and how you've moved forward from that. So from your perspective, though, why do you think that these pivotal moments are so important for athletes, business leaders, and everyday humans to identify? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head in the beginning when you said this is this is personal, right? And I, I think I think this is going to resonate with a lot of your audience, not just your athletes, but uh, you know the, the whole your entire network. And I think the understanding those pivotal moments in your life are important for a number of reasons. One is I just think it's important number one for self awareness. Uh, understanding these moments help us understand ourselves. Number two. When we talk about these moments, and we'll talk about, we'll call them crucible moments uh, that kind of create soundtracks. These things also are specifically unique to us, meaning they're not, uh, you know, uh, stories of other people, but it's very personal to you. And I think that this is critical for kind of understanding your own personal brand. But most importantly, I think these identifying these types of moments in your life, these pivotal moments are important because subconsciously, they might be running in your head. And as we'll talk about, I think that those moments are either limiting you or liberating you. And I'm sure we'll, we'll dive deep into that topic. Yeah, well, and I, I think that's spot on because I think that it is very, very personal. And during those crossroads moments, we kind of, the, the way that we chose to go 
I think has a lot to do with kind of that soundtrack mentality. But I also love the way that you said that it kind of defines your brand because how many people have made a brand from their story? And how many times do we hear that over and over again, that our best brand is the, is a story that represents our life. Like we are the best person to help someone else if we've had that experience. And so I do want to ask you that, you know, we, one of the things that you and I talked about, and I kind of even alluded to this in the description is for some people, that story or that crucible moment, it liberated them. It was like this moment of, aha, I, I get it now. I know exactly where I want to go. And then for some people, it's very limiting. It is whatever soundtrack they created it stayed with them and it's keeping them stuck like they're in quicksand. So um, how come? How come for some people it's very liberating and for some it's so limiting? Yeah, so I, I think it's, to be, to be honest, I don't know the answer why it affects some people different. And it's interesting because you can have the same stimuli affect the same two people and yet you might have two very different outcomes on this. It was funny. I was reconnecting with an old friend that I had not seen since my uh, grammar school days. So it had been probably 30 plus years since I had uh, talked to him. And he came up with, we, we were talking about life and stuff. He came up with something that his dad said to him uh, in an athletic context, and it was negative um, at a very early age. We're talking 10 years old. Mm -hmm. um, and then he brought up something about something my father had told him two years later. And I don't remember either of these instances, but for somebody like that, those two things have literally kind of charted his course. So here's what I don't know. I don't know what affects why it liberates some and why it limits others. What I do think is important is that you take the time to self-reflect on what those moments are. And the other thing is to get intentional about recognizing when those moments and the soundtracks from those moments are negatively impacting your life. And I think that you can change these. And I'm, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about that as well. Yeah. So basically what I hear you say is first, you kind of have to figure out what are those moments and then ask yourself, you know, when those moments took place, is that what's upstairs in my kitchen, so to speak? Is that what's kind of holding me back? Or is that actually something that's propelled me? And I find it interesting that your friend heard something from his father and then heard something from your father. And it almost sounds like what your father said was able to kind of erase or or add some clarity to Correct. something his father had said. So it put him in a better place. Correct. And I, I think that happens throughout our lives. You know, one teacher might say something or doubt you, or one mentor might say something or doubt you. Another one comes along and sees this spark in you. And all of a sudden we light up. So I agree. Is there really an answer to what liberates or limits us? I don't know. Maybe it has to do with the time in our life. Who said it? A relationship to that person, right? Yeah, I, I think you just hit the nail on the head in terms of uh, sometimes these moments. Uh, first off, when I talk to, I, I do a lot of executive coaching and I work with athletes. And when you bring up these moments, oftentimes we'll we're kind of revert back to our formative years. Uh, yeah. That could be in childhood, that could be in kind of our adolescent or our teenage years when, when things are said. And oftentimes um, the, the genesis of these moments are something that is said sometimes in a negative context, or you actually perceive it to be negative. And that could be from a coach, a parent, a loved one. Um, sometimes it can be completely random. So I do think there is some serendipity in how these things are created. And again, I think, you know, you and I could be uh, exposed to the same stimuli, but we might react very, very differently from this. 
Oh yeah. Because personalities are so different. I guess it just goes to show that, you know, I have four older sisters. We could have been more unique and given the same set of circumstances, we're both going to, uh, or we're all going to respond very differently. So Brian, I want to reintroduce you real quick. I'm talking to Dr. Brian Price. He is, um, he teaches at Seton Hall. He's a professor at Seton Hall. He owns his own company called Top Mental Game. He has worked with athletes, business leaders, you name it. He's taught at West Point, been in the army. So you know what? He is a perfect person, I think, to talk about these crucible or pivotal moments. So um, let's get into the real deep dive of this. I want to talk about how do we help people identify those stories? Because I, for one, think that a lot of times people bury their stories, especially if it was a pivotal moment that was that limited them. They sort of bury, as you would say, the genesis of it because it was painful. And so they put it underneath and they pack it away. And they're not even sure how it impacts them. So how do we identify those moments? Yeah, I think three helpful places where you can go for information on this. And I'll share kind of how I do it with my business leaders and my students at Seton Hall. One is uh, there's an interesting book out there by John Acoff uh, called Soundtracks, right? So huh. uh, aptly named about the, the similar topic. Um, I initially got this idea to do this with my one-on-one -on -one coaching and with my teams from a basketball coach up here named Billy Armstrong uh, at Bergen Catholic. And so he does this exercise called, if you really knew me, you would know that. And I'll talk about how I do that with the students. And then the final piece, another, if people are looking for some uh, inf information on this, there's a great book by Warwick Fairfax called uh, Crucible Moments. And yeah. so when I do this with my, I'll talk about how I do it with my students. And this is something that your trainers might wanna do with their, with their clients. And I think everyone should just do kind of like introspectively. And it's to think back on a moment or moments in your life that have truly defined you. Like if you could go back to those, you, you mentioned the fork in the road, those kind of moments in your life. And, and I like to characterize them of there are moments of either great accomplishment or more often than not, they're probably moments of tremendous adversity that you've kind of seen yourself through. And the reason why we call them crucible moments. Now, I'm, I'm not a scientist. But for those of you that are familiar with kind of what crucibles are, uh, they are a vessel by which when you put ingredients into them and then you subject those ingredients to a tremendous amount of light, heat, and sometimes pressure, the contents are going to be fundamentally different change, you know, changed after that experience than before. And so huh. this, is, this is why I think of them as crucible moments, that you are not the same person that you were before this incident occurred. You're, you're different after. And so when we do that, we ask our students to then, once they kind of uh, share their crucible moment, we ask them to reflect on how that has changed them today, and if so, how. And so I'll, I'll pause there if, if you have any questions, but that's, that's the kind of general construct. What are those one or two moments in your life that have fundamentally changed who you are as a person? And we'll talk about the, liberate, the liberating and the limiting uh, part next, but Okay. in your thoughts. Okay. So good. Oh, cause you know me, I can't wait to give a thought. So, um, so first of all, one thing I do want to say is Warwick Fairfax, his book on crucible moments, he's a great guy. He's got an amazing story. So if you all didn't catch that little, uh, tidbit that Brian put out there, please look it up. Cause he's got a really, really, really profound story. The other thing that you mentioned was the book called soundtracks. I'm going to have to look that one up. But um, I love the question, if you really knew me, you would know this. 
And uh, I don't know if I worded that exactly the right way, but I will say this. Um, if somebody asked me that, if you really knew me, you would know that. Um, wow, that's a wide open question because I know that some of the pivotal moments in my life, I know that the first thing that comes to a lot of people's minds is when I had kids or when I got married. And yes, 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 those are pivotal moments. But I would say like, for me, this is a, a unique situation. But for me, I was a first college graduate in the whole lineage of my family. And so that was a pivotal moment for me. I have four older sisters. No one in my family had ever gone to college. So that was a pivotal moment. Um, a pivotal moment for me was, was living abroad when I was in college, um, choosing to go abroad long before anyone ever did that and not having kind of the tools to really do that or the support to do it the way that I thought it was going to be and kind of having to work through all those difficulties. So those two things really built my confidence and kind of laid a platform for me to have some self-belief. So I'm curious, give me one of your pivotal moments. So I, I'll share I'll share an example and then I'll kind of share mine. Um, I, I work with uh, some high school kids in the inner city in, in New Jersey, and we did this in front of a kind of a team context. And the individual got up there and talked about how he's first off he's extremely built, right? Like he's yeah. he's jacked. And he talked when the question got posed to him, "If you really knew me, you'd know this." He said, "Well, it's obvious that I work out a lot." But then he shared why he works out and he works out because uh, his mom, he grew up in a single parent household and the guy that his mom was dating was abusive and mm -hmm. abusive to not only the mom, but also the, the, you know, the kids. And so he said, every time I go lifting, that is what I think about. I think about protecting my, my family. And I mean, you talk about like a, a powerful, you know, cathartic kind of moment um, in, in that room. And that gave insight as to who this individual is and how he operates. And I think it was, you know, th th this works both ways. And I'll share mine. I'm not deflecting from from my own. Uh, I was wondering that I was going to call you out on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but what I think when you do this with people, um, it works both ways. One is it's cathartic for the individual to self-reflect, and then it's powerful to share that with others. So it almost like lifts a weight off of their back. But also I believe that for the for the audience members, whether this is one-on-one -on -one or a team, there's a moment of connection and empathy that you have with that individual that was not there beforehand. And I feel like when you do that, you're able to give people grace. You're able to understand those people on a different level. And there's a different connection. Imagine how powerful that might be for some of your trainers. Okay. Well, so, because hold on, I have to say something. Cause you know what, when you think about that, you think about seeing somebody who's just completely jacked yeah. and then they tell you why they're jacked. Like at first you just do like the big buff guy. And then you're like, Oh wait, there's a huge powerful story behind that. And that completely changes your impression of this person. So yeah. I, anyway, so it's a, that's the crucible, right? You know, uh, right. And, um, and his, his goal, his motivation, his context was all about trying to protect his family, you know, trying yeah. to protect his mom. And I, you know, it's emotionally even just kind of talking about it. Um, I'll share, you know, I, I have a couple that I share with my students at Seton Hall, but one that I, I think um, is a good example of something that was just serendipitously liberating me as opposed to limiting me. Um, when I was uh, going into high school from my eighth grade year to my freshman year, uh, I ended up, uh, I was a big baseball player uh, growing up. I ended up playing baseball at West Point. And going from my 
going into my freshman high school year, I was actually working out with my dad at the local high school field. And prior to that, I had become the Babe Ruth MVP, right? That was the season I became the MVP. Uh, 14, 15 years old, I can't remember what I was, but I was feeling pretty on top of the world. And I'm hitting um, with my dad for about, you know, an hour and a half or so. And then we go in, into the high school to get a drink. I was back in the days when you can go in high schools uh, just to use their soda machine. And I go in there and the, I recognize that the janitor was actually watching me hit. And this wasn't any other, this wasn't a normal janitor. This was one of the best high school athletes our high school had ever produced. And I knew who it was and I knew he was watching me. So as I walked up, he's like, I saw you out there hitting. I was like, yeah. And he's like, you're looking pretty good. And of course, I was like, I'm the, I'm the M Babe Ruth MVP. <laughs> and he goes, um, well, what grade are you going into? Are you going in the sixth? What is it? And here I was about to be a freshman in high school. Yeah. And so that tells you probably a little bit about my short stature that I have. And to me in that moment, um, you know, I, I corrected him and told him. But then I went home and I was thinking to myself, I was like, you know what? Um, and I could have taken this both ways. I could have taken that down the path you talked before about about um, how that was unfair. I'm never going to make it. People are always going to see me as short and small and and less than. Um, and so I could have like quit my sport and done that. But actually, it liberated me because I can specifically remember at that moment recognizing that that's those are the cards that I'm dealt in life. I'm short, right? I can't control that. But what I could control was. I recognize that whenever I walked onto a field or a court or even in a room, because I took it into academics as well, I took the notion that people were going to see me as less than, short, not capable, and that I had to outwork, out-hustle, you know, um, outwork ethic everybody there in order for me to get the things that I wanted in life. And so to uh -huh. me, at that early age, it was a, it was a game changer because that's how I saw life moving forward. That would have never have happened if I uh, didn't have that experience with a high school janitor watching me take batting practice. Oh, that's interesting. Well, because it kind of turned into this opportunity to say, look, I realize that I have this kind of, uh, uh, you know, this is who I am and, and how I present, but it doesn't have to hold me back. I can just work that much harder to be the person that I want to be and to prove that I can be. So, um, so I love that. So again, I'm talking to Dr. Brian Price and he and I are talking about life defining moments. And he's talking about that moment where he was MVP and on top of the world, but then somebody thought he was like X amount of years younger than he really was. And you can take that, like you said, and let it completely deflate you, or you can use it as, um, a powerful story to make you want to move forward. You know, a, another thing that I thought about when I was thinking about those crucible moments was I always in my 20s and 30s worked out because I wanted to create a certain type of physique. And then when my mom passed from dementia, my whole purpose for working out totally changed. So now when I go to the gym, I go in with this completely different mindset and this goal moving forward. It's changed everything that I believe about fitness and it's transformed into what I believe about what fitness can do to our cognitive health. So, um, so have you ever you, shared that with anybody else? Like, is, is that known in the field? Um, I think so. But I think that sometimes we think our stories are known. Yeah. Um, you know, I had two kind of crucible moments when it comes to exercise. And one was when my mom passed from dementia. And another was when I had a health scare with when I realized that I can't outrun and outlift heart disease that runs rampantly with the women in my family. So now when I go to the gym, it is about keeping my heart as healthy as I can in spite of my genetics. But we're not going to go any further into that one or I might start crying. So anyway, let's let's move forward 
from there. So how do we free ourselves from these unhealthy soundtracks um, yes. that haven't served us? How do, how do we get out of this icky pattern where we get stuck? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things. I think the most important thing out of all these is being self-aware of when those moments are happening, right? And recognizing whether it's an opportunity that pops up or a situation confronts itself where um, you actually don't act or fail to act or play smaller, or it's in some cases, you don't even go after that opportunity at all. You're playing small ball and to be intentional about understanding why you're playing small ball. So, you know, one of the, I, there's a couple of things that I, I work with my clients on this. One is, is to think about the opposite and to think about in order to remove that negative, unhealthy soundtrack, can you identify a time in your life when you felt powerful or strong, mm. right? What did that feel like? Um, and, and that could be overcoming adversity again, or in, in the great achievement. And then that should be something that is in the back of your mind. Number two is, <laughs> this might sound a little odd, but I, I tell people to think like a, a defense lawyer. So in those moments, the opportunity pops up and you want to play small because of a negative, unhealthy soundtrack. I'd ask you to think like a defense lawyer. And what I mean by that is to say, to critically analyze the evidence that is supporting that negative soundtrack. Like, oh, you can never do it, or you're not good enough, or you've always stunk at this sort of thing in the past. You know, this hits kind of at the growth mindset component of it. Right. And then when you and then when you come up with that, see if there is if there is actual evidence to support your negative mindset and better yet, come up with the evidence to refute it. I've been through these challenges before. I've been able to overcome this adversity in the past. You know, when this happened in the past, I was able to persevere and so switch it. So I think like being a defense lawyer is kind of number two. And then the last one, I take a page from the performance psychology field that I work with with athletes. Um, and it's called a reset phrase, um, a reset ritual rather. And the reset ritual involves three things. It involves a physical act. It involves a, a positive phrase. And the last one is it involves kind of a, a cleansing breath, right? And so um, I'll give you an example. Julie Foudy, uh, I interviewed her, one of the greatest soccer players of all time. When she makes a mistake that, you know, in some cases a, a minor error can catastrophically collapse uh, the rest of your kind of performance. She, what she does is she used to wear a hairband around her wrist and she would snap the hairband. Her reset phrase was, uh, I, I, I think it was let's go or snap. Oh, was snap out of it is what hers was. Okay. And then it, she did a cleansing breath, like get it out. And so in those moments of, you know, when the heat is on and you're right there and your negative soundtrack is saying play less than, I think it's, it's cool to have some type of physical, action doesn't have to be a hairband it could be you know some people do this like the wipe off the the sweat or the the brow right. um some of my athletes actually do this which is signifying flush in the toilet <laughs> and, and wiping <laughs> that negative kind of okay. uh like that, that negative idea out of there come up with whatever your mantra is that you know i can do this let's go um you know get on with it like whatever your mantra is and a quick cleansing breath and those are some pretty kind of quick i think things that everybody can put into play you know starting time out Okay. So again, I'm talking to Brian Price. We are talking about resetting our, um, or we're talking about, I'm echoing. I can hear myself echo. Hopefully that's not too bad for all of you listening, but we are talking about um, 
when you have these life-defining moments and we walk away with this soundtrack that kind of propels us forward or it limits us based on what our experiences were from that pivotal moment. And Brian gave a great story about how we need to reset. And so there needs to be a physical component, like you snap the rubber band. And then after you snap the rubber band, you have a phrase. So for me, a lot of times I use a grounding exercise. So I'll push against the wall, which is unmovable. I'll push against the wall as hard as I can. And then just remind myself, okay, you're, you're, you're pushing against something solid here and then take a deep breath. But I like to use a grounding exercise. And another thing that Brian talked about was being a defense attorney. And so when your soundtrack says that you need to play it small, you're not good enough, then you defend your case. First, you come up with, you know, what's the evidence to support that that's actually true? Or is that my mind just doing its thing? Um, and then I missed one. What was the very first one, Brian? Uh, to find a time in life when you are strong and powerful. Ah, yes. Uh, to, to, to get crystal clear about one of those moments and how did it feel? And that might be your home base to go back to um, when you're when you are feeling, uh, you know, less than. Yeah. You know, it's funny. My husband works in the business world and he has a whole file of attaboys. And yeah. that's, and so every time, you know, he's kept all the the powerful like awards or whatever it is over the years and he calls them his attaboy file. And it's what he can refer to when he needs a little boost. Or I suppose if you're looking for a new job, you refer to your attaboys to see, to remind you of what your actual achievements are. So I, I think that's really powerful. So um, Brian, I have one last question for you. And that is as trainers and instructors, um, who are out there working with people every single day, um, what could they ask their clients to help them get to the core of what might define them? Because I think that we've laid out a good, strong foundation for why it's important that we know this about people, because think about that athlete that you were talking about, why he exercises. A trainer should know that. A trainer yeah. should know why I exercise. Don't try to reshape my body. You need to know my story and what's propelling me to exercise. So, do you have a something you would tell trainers and instructors out there? Yeah, this is challenging because I think um, you can get some information on the front side when you're working with somebody, like in, in an intake session, but that's difficult. Somebody might not open up. So you might want to consider using this after you've ex established a relationship with that individual, you know, over time. Um, I do think you should tread lightly. I do believe that that question of if you really knew me, you yes. would know that what is is a great lead in it's not you know imposing if the individual doesn't want to share a lot other kind of tips and techniques we've done in the past is ask that who is your greatest hero hmm. what's the greatest adversity that you've been through in your life or what is your proudest accomplishment those are all kind of i think entrees into understanding a little more about your uh you know the crucible moment and those pivotal moments that have defined your life Okay. I like that. And I, I was thinking that same thing. It's just anybody, you could ask anybody what, you know, if you really knew me, you would know this about me. And maybe they're not going to tell you something really deep, but they might share something um, more on the surface. But as you get to know them more, you could continue asking that same question. You might get more and more information. So Dr. Brian Price, thank you so much for coming back on and talking about these life-defining moments, because I think they're huge for all of us. I think that if, I think a lot of people globally have had some life-defining moments during the pandemic. So I think it's a powerful topic. We're always talking about wellness and how to help us all feel better from the inside out. This is one of those. So thank you again. Thanks to our Eddie SM and Apple audience for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Eddie.